When they yeah. went in the Moss Eisley Cantina, uh, the, their draft beer selection has really changed. It's all craft stuff now, it looked like. Yeah. They're, they're getting a little too focused on porters, though. <laughs> last porter season, guys. Well, last fall it was stout season, Banner. And it's like, if you don't have a, something you're known for, you're never going to be able to master it. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching movies and TV. This is our review of The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 5, which is also Chapter 5, entitled The Gunslinger. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Joining me today are the mad scientist Brian Banner and the American hero Nate Thurman to review this episode as we do all of our TV episodes on the four Bro Four Squad criteria, which is the acting the story, our favorite scene, and then any theories or questions going forward. So, Banner, let's go to you first. The acting and the cast in Season 1, Episode 5 of The Mandalorian. What'd you think? I hated every new character that they introduced. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. I am not either. Um, I let's hated just... every single fucking one of them. All right. Jake Conaval or Conavali. He doesn't deserve to have his name pronounced right. The guy who played Toro, he was pretty mm-hmm. bad. He was pretty bad. He was bad. really bad. The thing that frustrated me the most about him is there was potential in the character, just really poor casting. That's a really good point, and I don't even know if I thought of it that way. But if you would have asked me, yes, I hated his acting. But when he was first introduced, I thought he was going to be a character that was given more time to develop. The whole time he seemed like he was really trying to – he was trying so hard to make his character seem cool. And yeah. it was, like, pathetic, I thought. Mm-hmm. So I thought throughout the whole episode, he, you, you could go either way. He either looks like a gluten-free James Franco or like yep. a uh, an off-brand Zac Efron. So he's kind of like a mix of the both. Yeah, I was getting like a uh, great value um, Joshua Jackson who plays Charlie <laughs> Conway. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I could see was... that. Like a bag, like a bag cereal version. Yeah. Yes. Or, like Nate said, he was like a no sugar added Dave or James Franco. <laughs> He Honestly, like he looked like they're they're like third brother that's never acted before in his life, but they like he showed up and they're like, Your last name's Franco though. Let's see what you got. Like yeah. Archie Franco? No, I'm sorry, Cooper Franco. Like how Giannis Antetokounmpo's brother has been on like three teams in the NBA and they're like, Oh, you just fucking suck. Never mind. Go um <clears throat> So real quick, Banner, uh, obviously you and I are big Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans. Ming-Na Wen as Fennec I thought was awesome in this episode, but we hardly got any of her at all. It was like yeah. a glorified cameo. I am going to stand by the fact that I hated her for now, but I reserve the right to change my answer in coming weeks. But With that being said, think... do you have a strong feeling that she'll make a, another appearance? I do, and we'll talk about that in theories. Fantastic. Okay, maybe I'm confused. Then did she not die? I don't know. Did she? I'm. I'm just. I want your opinion. I'm not like quizzing <laughs> you. <laughs> like I she think she got shot from point blank range. I think she did die, but I don't think that that means that she's gone. Okay, that's fine. I just and again, I don't need you to spill your theory right here, but. Yeah. I was like, did I miss something where, like, they showed that she, like, moved her hand or something? But we'll get into, obviously, the last shot of the yeah. episode. Um, 
They, I, you can you totally think? see why they brought her in just based on her ability to fight. It was absolutely, that was an incredible scene. Right. And we can get to this in story, but I, I the past two episodes, while I liked them both, it's starting to feel kind of like a guest star of the week between uh, Kara Gugino from last week uh, and then Ming-Na Wen this week. It's like, are we just going to bring in a new character that goes away by the end of the episode? Well, and you every... had Nick Nolte at the first couple episodes in, and now he's gone. Right. Nate, what did you think of Amy Sedaris, who played that uh, Pelo Mato is the name of her character, the one who like runs the Philip 66 for ships on Tatooine? Yeah. Um, I was kind of underwhelmed with that. I, I don't know. I thought her interaction with Baby Yoda, I think that's the thing that really annoyed me the most is her interaction with, with Baby Yoda was like hokey and kind of corny, and they played it up as like, oh, it really. I mean, obviously, we know, yeah, it's a small small baby Yoda child type species, but I just didn't like that coming into it. Um, and overall I can kind of go off with what Banner was saying. Like nothing really stuck out to me as far as acting. Um, the only thing is in what I picked as the best scene. So I'll wait for that um, to discuss. So the actress, Amy Sedaris, it's kind of weird casting. She is from the Canadian comedy troupe strangers with candy which i don't know if you've ever seen that show but it's really really weird and she looked really familiar so she is uh in the movie elf she is will ferrell's dad's receptionist who like loves buddy ah yes so, i was like what do i know her from so it's kind of it was just kind of weird casting i don't think it like took me out of the role but i was never like she just did not feel like she was actually a character in the star wars universe to me no no, she annoyed the piss it. out of me. I couldn't stand her. She looked like almost like Sigourney Weaver from Aliens, like with her hair like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She and was, it yeah. just, I don't know. And then her acting and talking like that just really took me out of the episode. She was like a wheat bun Sigourney Weaver. I guess yes. it's not that yes. much healthier. All right. So I actually really like this episode, but I figured the acting part would be the one weak thing we criticized. So let's get a little more positive here, hopefully, and move on to the story and the plot. So, Nate, what did you think? Well, not to rain on your parade, but overall. Damn it. I know. I know. I know you texted me off pod earlier and you were really excited. I was like, eh. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you'll bring to light some things that I just didn't pick up on or, or catch, which is totally plausible because I do that all the time. But I, I feel like there's just yeah a lot of episode and not really much development. Um, I know they're they're chasing the one assassin, um, but there was a lot to get to that. And then the one character that you meet, well, one of the new characters you meet, Toro. Obviously, we talked about him. He's kind of in it. He's out of it. I don't think he's going to come back and play play a part. Um, they may come back to Tatooine um, just because it has such a significance in the Star Wars world. But overall, I, until the last scene, I didn't feel like there was much that could that you could build on or grow upon. But I would love to hear you and, and your take on it. So, yes, you have a great point. Two straight weeks where really the plot has not been advanced. We're just kind Mm -hmm. of on a planet of the week. And even the plot synopsis on IMDb just says, the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. But I think what I like so much about this episode, and I will fully admit that I'm a sucker for this, and some people might not enjoy it, but 
it was basically purely fan service to Star Wars fans by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. We returned to Tatooine, which we have yep. not seen, to my knowledge, in the Star Wars universe, maybe for like Rebels though, and Clone Wars, since um, the original trilogy. Well, I guess the prequel trilogy, but the Mos Eisley Cantina. We got repair droids from the prequels that worked on all the pod racing machines. The pit and droids. Then, yeah, the pit droids, and then of course we get to see the exact table that Han shot Greedo at. And then the scene at the end, which we'll get to in theories and questions. So, yeah, this uh, episode in and of itself did not advance the plot of The Mandalorian, but it had some awesome callbacks to Star Wars fans. And then probably the biggest tease at an end of an episode that we've had since maybe the first one of the season. Which I Yeah. And yeah, that's why I wanted to hear your side of it, because all the things you just mentioned were great and great to see and getting all the callbacks and everything. But yeah, just... I get hung up on oh, there wasn't much development and everything, but everything that you mentioned was awesome in the in this uh, episode. And some people out there hate fan service and think it's a cheap gimmick, and it absolutely is. But it fucking works on me. It's just why these people are able to yeah. pull it off. Banner, what'd you think? I I'm kind of in the middle of of both of you guys. I didn't hate the episode, but I didn't necessarily Jewish. like it either. Uh, hey, sex. Um, I felt like the episode is really, really, really slow. Um, and I think the show in general is slowing way down. I mean, let's go back to the first episode. We had like four gunfights in mm-hmm. what, 35 minutes. And now we're getting like half an action scene maybe. And we're not getting any plot development, any really any character development at all, because each character that they introduce and they start to develop, we don't see them the next episode. They kill them off or we leave them or whatever. And honestly, I did not need Toro to be developed. Get him the fuck out of the show, you know? Yeah, I'm not necessarily complaining about it, but I'm also not not complaining about it either. It just it was really slow. I agree. I like the cliffhanger-ish thing that they hung us on. I don't know if it's a cliffhanger because, I mean, I don't know. Whoever that dude is may have just walked up and gone, oh, yep, she's dead. Okay, bye. And we don't know who that is, right? Well, you, so, <clears throat> well, I have uh, the list of candidates that I'll lay on us in theories. All right. Um, all right, so our best scene. I'll, I'll start with one that I liked. I mean, the opening scene of the episode I thought was really cool. That space shootout was pretty mm-hmm. badass and obviously yeah. sets up him ending up on Tatooine. I, I don't think in Star Wars we get enough space battles. Um, I'm a firm believer of that. I mean, it's like one of the coolest elements of this universe. And because the Jedi are so badass and like Rogue One is basically like a heist movie, we don't get enough shootouts in space, which I sorely want. Uh, and then one other one that I had, which is much more dialogue driven, it was towards the end of the episode when uh, Fennec Mingna Wen's character was kind of fucking with Toro to try to manipulate him to turn against the Mandalorian. I always kind of like a little cat and mouse game. And even though it like, was with two characters that we didn't really know. And, like, you kind of saw where it was going. I was like, Toro's a dumbass. He'll screw this up some way. Uh, I thought the dialogue was pretty well written. So those were my two-ish. Vayner, how about you? Um, mine was the bar scene. Uh, we went back to the Mos Eisley's Cantina. I thought it was just, again, it was complete fan service uh, that we were there. At first, I was very hesitant because if you just look at Toro, you're like, okay, so this is Han Solo light, right? And then he started to talk, and as the episode goes on, and even that scene, you realize, okay, no, this is completely different. I'm glad they didn't do that. I was really afraid they were going to do try and insert another Han Solo into it. Once I realized they weren't doing that, I thought it was great. Loved 
I actually thought at that point he was going to be a decent actor and a good character. I was sorely mistaken. Sorely mistaken. <laughs> but that episode I thought was great. Or that uh, scene, excuse me, I thought was great. So was the band that always plays the bam, 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 were they just on break or do they have like usually someone different that plays? I think this is a crowd? Tuesday. Yeah, I think this is a Tuesday and they're only there uh, on the weekends, Friday through Sunday. Plus just I noticed there was, yeah, there was no cover. And usually when they're playing, there's a cover to get in. Yeah, I'm, I mean, they're 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 about to open for uh, those big wigs on Coruscant. So for that uh, lizard chick who sung in Jabba's palace in the yeah. ex- extended edition of Jedi. <laughs> Nate, what did you think? What was your favorite scene? So uh, I really enjoyed and what I was first going to say was the scene that you had with the uh, manipulation of Toro, which I thought was fun. And like you said, you kind of saw where it was going. Um but it, it, I guess it did have a little turn at the end because he ended up just shooting her, um, which I thought it was going to end up a little differently. But I, I always like those um, whenever you can see like a character kind of thinking in their head and trying to fight against what someone else is trying to make them believe. But um, one of the other – I thought it was kind of a fun scene was whenever they waited till night, they took the uh, – they yeah. took the – like those solar flare things. Yeah, they took the solar flares and were kind of flashing, and then they kind of played like a cat and mouse game in the cat and mouse game, and then had a decoy with the Mando, and the Toro kind of snuck up behind. He was a decoy for a second, and then Mando came up, so it was kind of like a good back and forth, which was kind of the only like tactical fight scene we'd seen in the whole episode. But great choreography in that scene as well. Yeah, yeah, I really liked that. Um, them flying up on on the bikes, and then everything that ensued afterwards was kind of cool with them. Fighting. That armor really was put to the fucking test. Oh yeah, this episode. Yeah, I like the line where he's like, "Yeah, it hit my armor, and you know, from that distance, it's not." He's like, "I don't have that." He's like, "Nope." No, you do not. No, you do not. He'll be killed dead. Which at that point, I was like, "Let him die. If he dies, he dies." And Ivan Drago if he dies. He dies. Situation. All right, on to the Coupe de Gras, and this should get interesting. So theories and questions. Let's save the big one for the end. Anything else anybody has? But first thing I had. So just after basically being a pawn in a hostage game again, I mean, Baby Yoda has seen some shit already in his young life. So my question is, do we think he'll become a rebellious goth when he gets to high school due to all the trauma? Of course, oh, yeah. For sure. His his robes are going to go straight black. He's going to find some some swamp mud that he's going to use as black eyeliner. Yep. And he's just going to go full out. And he's going to be like a big My Chemical Romance fan. Oh, for sure. All that or stuff. whatever the Star Wars equivalent to that is. I think it's just Mike. I think My Chemical Romance exists in the Star Wars universe. That would actually make sense. Uh, and before I turn over to you guys and we get to the end, one other question I had. So we keep planet jumping, and I hope this doesn't continue, but also <clears throat> some other potential fan service. Like Favreau obviously is paying respect to the original trilogy. Do you guys think there's any chance we go to Hoth, Endor, or Coruscant at any point? Banner? I think maybe Endor, just because that's where the final battle just happened not too long ago. So we may be going there to, I don't know, pick up the pieces or something. Hoth, I think, is a stretch. Yeah. Coruscant We've already also, had I could see. Yeah, I could see Coruscant happening as well. But I think budget-wise, that would be really hard to do. 
just because of all the buildings and how you know you have all the cars there's sky rises and you have all the spaceships and everything driving in the background so i don't know just <laughs> wishful thinking nate great, what do you think great answer banner well to your you said that there. to yourself um yeah i kind of agree but i think uh they could get to banner would you say core whatever Coruscant. yeah it's like the flying car city yeah um yeah i feel like they could get back to that point um and then you said the other stretch was hoth yeah i guess cloud city or vespin is a possibility too yeah, i actually, could see cloud city well that'll tie into my theory at the very end too oh i just thought it'd be dropping that little seed in there <laughs> just a little tip just a little tip just the tip all right did you guys have anything else before we get to the big reveal at the end not really. And like I said, I think I got caught up on just not much building in the plot, so I didn't really even think about going forward, um, except for what you're about to talk about here. All right. So why don't you guys just both lay out a theory that you have, and then at the end I can go over who I think the candidates are for that person to be. So, Banner, we'll go to you first. The obviously reveal at the end, someone uh, on Tatooine walks up to the supposed corpse of Fennec, and of course we don't see them. That's how the episode ends. What do you think happened? So I don't think she's dead. Or I think she is dead, excuse me. But I think she's going to be brought to life by said individual that comes up. I also don't think this is the first time that she's been killed. Those, like, fucked up scars that she had on her face. Mm -hmm. I think she's already been killed and she's been brought back to life um, already. Who that is, I don't know. Maybe one of the other Mandalorians from his little cult, ground under cult, underground cult. Maybe. I don't know. You don't think that was just Botox scars on her face? I don't think so. Trying to look 20 years younger? No. Um, Have we seen in Star Wars, um, maybe in Clone Wars or Rebels, but anyone be tangibly resurrected before? Like, is there a precedent for this? There is a little bit, and I believe it's... Like Darth Maul, I guess, is the closest thing. Yeah, well, Darth Maul has a... He has like a brother, and I don't remember if it was Clone Wars or if it was Rebels. I think it was Rebels. Yeah. But he plays a pretty big – he's like Darth Maul, but he's yellow. Um, and then there's some other like black dark sisters, witch sisters that are from the same planet that Darth Maul is from, and they've done some weird shit like that. Is his brother's name Darth Paul? Yeah. Like, his name's Paul? Yeah. It's definitely. Totally, dude. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, anything you got? Um, so I think this would be a. I mean, I'm su- surprised Baron didn't say anything about this, but I feel like this would be a good time for the fan favorite reintroduction of Boba Fett. Yep. So just him walking up, it seems like I don't want it to happen so much. I wasn't going to put it out there. I don't either. Yeah. But if Vegas were, were to put the lines up, I think he would be the favorite. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, you have to take that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, I think that's just going to be the, the point to where they finally reintroduce him. Because I know there's been talk of making Boba Fett films, standalone films, on on their own. So, um, we've talked about it already that it was a possibility of him coming back into the scene at some point. Um, just because of the subject matter of the series. But I think that is what what is going to be um if not um i i think it could be 
Um, and I'm blanking on the name. The uh, assassin chick from the last episode. Mm. Oh. Cara. Well, the actress is Cara. I can't remember her yeah. name. Because I feel uh, like there's going to be a re- reintroduction of her. Um, sure. They're going to find her again. And since she's already dubbed as a great assassin, I feel like she could already have one of the trackers on Finnick. Um, so yeah. it would make sense that she finally comes up to her and finds her and then she moves on to who actually killed her, which actually so, is torture, but whatever. My, I think it was like episode two where we started talking about the theory of Boba Fett either being the Mandalorian or coming back in the show. While I don't want him to have survived the Sarlacc pit like he did in the Expanded Universe books, if he came back but he wasn't the Mandalorian, I would be much more open to that idea, I think. Yeah. I agree. I think I would rather him come back as Boba Fett and not come back as the Mandalorian. Right. I I like that idea much mutter. Much mutter. (laughs) Uh, I know what you're trying to say. I wrote down a list of people I think it it could be based on this timeline in the Star Wars universe. And and again, this is me predicating this on, all right, Favreau and Filoni have shown that they are going to give us fan service here. They don't shy away from it. So we're looking at Luke... Lando, Banner, correct me if I'm wrong, but could be one of Poe Dameron's parents, just in terms of timeline. Timeline for sure. Uh, And I wrote down Leia, and then, of course, Boba Fett. I think Lando and Boba Fett out of that list are the two most likely. I was about to say, I like the Lando theory. Yeah. The only thing is, I can't, with any of those people at this point, just because we don't know anything about Fennec, I can't even venture a guess as to why they would even be interested in her. I also can't... Acting wise, would Glover come ba- come back to do this? We could either go Glover or we could de-age Billy D. Williams. Why would to... they waste the money on de-aging Billy D. Williams? Well, wouldn't we have to age up Donald Glover? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think is... you could do that a lot easier though with makeup than with technology. Probably. And cheaper. I don't... Yeah, uh, I don't think Disney and Lucasfilm is pinching pennies, but I agree. It would probably be easier just to do that with practical makeup than it would be anything else, but it really just depends. But if you're going to talk budget, Donald Glover obviously is going to cost you more than Billy D. Williams. Billy so, D. Williams will, will almost pay you to be in the movie. <laughs> that's true. Exactly. Six one way, half a dozen other. Yeah, like, I got a Dave and Buster's coupon. It's half Christopher Walken. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Before we end our review of The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 5, anything you want to leave the people with, Nate, the American hero? Um, I'm hoping that we get some more uh, Baby Yoda development. Um, he's obviously been around, and he's been piquing my interest and in getting my Star Wars boner pretty hard. Um, but it's been a cock tease. He's been there. Um, I haven't really done I anything want, with him. I want some linkage or some lineage or yeah. something tied into some of the episodes. Um, so we can tie back into the originals or something like that. Totally. I want some goal. Like, where are they going? Like, is he literally just going to fly around the galaxy until Baby Yoda dies a thousand years from now? I think right now he is literally just on the run. I don't think he has a plan right now. Yeah. I want a plan. I also think that, and this just came to me, the guy that's over uh, Fennec, I think it's going to be somebody from Mando's past. Like, when he was a kid, you know, we've gotten those couple of weird flashbacks of him getting taken away from his parents. Yeah. yeah. Could that be his dad or the same people that killed his parents? Bit um, of a stretch, but I would like it. Yeah, I mean, if it's his dad, then 
we're kind of getting the false narrator, which isn't impossible, but like he's misremembering something or maybe had memories implanted. I don't know. Again, this is what we do. It's just total pot shots in the dark (laughs) at the end of the episode. It makes it great. Yeah. Banner, anything you want to add? Uh, Nope. Just pull over for emergency vehicles. That is great advice. And for the American hero, Nate Thurman, and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter, at Bro4Squad. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Just type in Bro4Squad, three separate words. Type those same three words into letterbox.com to find all of our reviews and check us out on our website, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, we will see you in the Mos Eisley Cantina. They're priceless.